You're listening to the Metro LA Podcast, an official podcast of the LA International Church of Christ. Good morning. My name is Reese Kia Aina. Welcome to Metro Vision Studios. Thank you so much for joining in to our Sunday service this morning. I'm standing in for Robert Cadillo. You know, we've been doing a series called Abiding in Him, and it's a three-week series that we're going to be talking about abiding in God, the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. And last week, Robert talked all about abiding in Jesus, and I hope you were inspired. He gave a great illustration, an agrarian metaphor or illustration that talked in John chapter 15, verse 1 through 8. Uh, about God being the gardener, Jesus being the vine, and disciples being the branches. And what I loved about his study is it, it helps us to understand our role, what we're doing in this world. God is the gardener. You know, he, he's the one that's going to be pruning us to help us to become fruitful. Jesus is the vine. And the disciples is we're meant to be a great branch, to be a, 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 a branch that soaks up nourishment from the vine. And, and, and we talked a lot about what that means to remain in Jesus. In John 15, where Robert talked about last week, that word abide was used. And it was used 10 times in verses 1 through 10. And it means in the Greek, Meno, which means to remain or to live or to dwell. And so what does it mean to abide in Christ? It means to, we have to learn how to remain in the vine, live in the vine, dwell in the vine. And we talked about different ways in which we can connect with the vine, connect with Jesus to, to remain in him. And he talked about six ways last week to try to connect with Jesus. And I hope you were so inspired by that. Uh, in-depth Bible study, memorization, contemplation, you know, sharing your faith, meaning sharing about Jesus, not necessarily just sh- inviting people to church, different practical uses of the Bible and putting things into practice in our daily life. And I hope you felt connected to Jesus last week and we have been working on it this week because uh, it was such a great lesson last week. And, you know, one of the things that's going to be happening after today, you know, actually today uh, from 1 to 2.30 p.m. is there's a spiritual formation class that will be going on called Forming Change by Grace. And it's 12 weeks, the next 12 Sundays, there's going to be uh, this class going on. Please, if you're going to go to it, register, look at the newsletter, click on the link there, and you can register for that and have a great time of spiritual formation. Now, when we're talking about connecting with God, I want to uh, talk briefly about something when it comes to connecting with God and, and how you and I connect with God. I, I read, this is part from a book called Sacred Pathways, and it's all about learning different temperaments that uh, we have. You know, at our midweek lesson, got, uh, Robert talked about how we're made in his image, right? We're, we're made in the likeness of God. And so we each have our own personality. We each have our own temperaments and we're created to connect, but also we're, we're created to connect in, in ways that God created us to connect. And so here are nine ways that, that, uh, are, are kind of like temperaments, you know, different different ways to connect to God. If you're a naturalist, right? If you're somebody who's a naturalist and you have this in your background, 
uh, probably for you, you know, you experience God through the outdoors, it, it, you know, not indoors, but outdoors. We connect in God's creation, going to the mountains, going on a bike ride or at the ocean or by a stream or, or just taking a walk outside and we connect to God or sensates is, is, is this pathway is about learning to connect through our senses, you know, through, uh, like communion, having a meal. We connect to God through our senses. Traditionalists are, are people who, you know, experience God through ritual and symbols, uh, have a rule of life or they have much more structure in their life. How about an ascetic? If you're an ascetic or you have that in your background, you probably experience God through solitude and simplicity. Uh, it helps you to like when you get silent and you get in solitude, you you connect with God and you feel God's presence even more. Perhaps an activist uh, where there's an issue going on and, and you experience God through confrontation. And uh, that's what an activist is like. Uh, many of us are activists in the church and we 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 hear spiritual truths, see spiritual truths while we're dealing with a situation. Perhaps a caregiver. You you, you serve, you know, you, you take care of others around you or you look for something to 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 do and to show love and concern. And that's how you make connect with God or an enthusiast. Uh, you experience God through mystery or celebration, like music, like, uh, uh, things that are vocal. Uh, you feel God's presence or contemplatives, or we're in a class right now where we've been learning about the contemplative life where we, we have meditation and, and structured prayer, uh, connected prayer in different ways. So as well as an intellectualist where you, you connect with God through concepts or ideas at, the reason why I want to talk a little bit about this is when we're connecting with God, it's easy to kind of look at how others are connecting with God and do that. The reason why this slide here is in the yellow is because this is how I connect with God. These are the things that make help me to connect with God. And so why is this important to know those nine things? It's one is so that we can enjoy our relationship with God. We can we can spend time with God and and enjoy that time with God by understanding how we can connect with God. I used to have this guy who was a uh, he used to go on a prayer run, a brother who discipled me and he would always he, he would he would go and pray, but he would run. And now I'm not talking a jogger. I'm talking a guy who loves to run. And we're talking not one mile. We're talking three to five miles. He would he would have me come on a prayer run with him, and I was trying to connect with God. And at the end of three miles, I'd come and I'd be like, he'd be like, man, I had such a great time connecting with God. He goes, what about you, Reese? I'd be like, I can barely catch my breath. I did not have a good time with that at all. It, you know, it, it was such a different difficult time. And so it's important to learn how you connect with God so we can enjoy our own relationship with God. Another thing is so that we can try new things, that while we connect with God in certain ways, we can also try different things. Our workshop was like that last week, where we got a chance to engage God in different ways. And the third thing is, is to understand how we connect with God is so that we don't look down or judge others who connect differently than we do. And that's important to know. Today's lesson is called Abiding in God, and it's gonna, we're going to learn about the Father in it. We're going to learn about how to remain in, in, in God, and I hope this will be encouraging to your faith. What does it mean to abide in God, though? What does it mean to remain in God or live in God or dwell in God? And we're going to look at the father-son relationship today, and I hope this is encouraging. A man, a 19th century saint said, he that would be like Christ, moreover, must study him. 
We cannot make ourselves holy by merely trying to be so any more than we can make ourselves believe and love by simple energy of endeavor. No force can affect this. Men try to be holy and they fail. They cannot, by direct effort, work themselves into holiness. They must gaze upon a holy object and so be changed into its likeness from glory to glory. He that would be holy must steep himself in the word, must bask in the sunshine which radiates from each page of revelation. In other words, this, this 19th century saint Horatius Bonner basically said, if, if we want to experience transformation, if we want to uh, experience life-giving energy, it's not by trying to just by sheer effort do that. It's by looking at an object. And, and so when we look at Jesus, it's amazing how transformation takes place in our life and spiritual formation takes place in our life. And so that's what we're going to be chatting about today. In John chapter 15 and 9, verses 9 through 17, it, the Bible says, As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in His love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I've called you friends for everything that I learned from my father, I've made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. And so that whatever you ask in my name, the father will give you. This is my command. Love each other. And so today, the question I want to talk about is what does it mean to abide in God? What does it mean to remain or live and dwell in God? And what Jesus talks about is he talks about how we remain in God's love. The progression that we get a chance to see is that as Jesus is telling, as he's talking, right? as the Father has loved me, so I have loved you, now remain in my love. And you get a chance to see God's relationship with Jesus and the Father-Son relationship where God extends love to the Son, the Son extends love to the disciples, and uh, it was a powerful, powerful thing. And uh, I pray that, you know, as we go through our Bibles today, we'll be able to understand and soak in God's love. The depth of God's love is sometimes very difficult to imagine how deep and wide and, and, and high the love of God actually is. Paul gives us a glimpse of it in Romans chapter 8 and verse 38 to 39. It says, For I'm convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. One of the interesting things about God's love is how deep it is. And if we want to learn how to abide in the, in God, abide in the Father, is, is we have to learn how to understand and contemplate God, how deep God's love actually is. Now I have a picture of here of the largest freshwater aquifer, one of the largest in the world, but the largest in the United States. Say this with me, Ogallala Aquifer. This aquifer is a freshwater reservoir, if you will, underground that touches eight states in the United States. That's how 
big this source of water actually is. And I want you to be thinking of God's love like that, that God's love is is so deep and so wide and so big. Robert, in his lesson last week, uh, had some pictures of, of the ocean and the cre- sea creatures. And uh, I want to th- think about God's love in this way, perhaps, the kind of like the Marianas Trench. And there's only three people who who have, I believe, descended to the bottom of the Marianas Trench in the world. One of them was James Cameron, the guy who made, you know, the Titanic, right? One of them was him. Uh, and it takes about approximately four hours to reach the bottom. And this is a picture of what the at the bottom of the Marianas Trench looks like. There's silt and, and mud, and, and that's a picture of what it looks like. And it's almost seven miles down. It literally takes four hours to descend uh, in a submersible to get to the bottom of the Marianas Trench. But I want you to be thinking about God's love being that way. And if we learn to abide in God, we must learn to remain in his love. We must learn to understand how deep that love is And our example in that is by looking at Jesus. We can just look at Jesus. And if we can see Jesus, we can experience transformation in our own lives. And that's the the name of the game is to keep our eyes focused on Jesus. Here's another picture of the Marianas Trench. One of the arguments in the in the world right now is that in 2019, I believe an article came out that the Marianas Trench is so deep, we could possibly pour all of the world's trash and send it to the bottom there where it could be compacted. That's one of the arguments. I'm sure there's pros and cons to each of it. But I want you to think about that illustration, how deep the Marianas Trench is, and God's love being so deep that no matter how much trash gets put in, no matter how much sin is in the world, God's love will cover all of that. And I'm so grateful for that, because I remember the first day when I came to church, you know, I've been, a, I was a sinner and I'm still a sinner to this day. And I appreciate that God's love can cover over every sin that I've done, every sin that I'm going to do, uh, you know, in, in now and, and, and in, even in the future. And I appreciate being a disciple of Jesus so much because I get to have that kind of love exercised in my life by God and by Jesus and by the spirit. Uh, isn't that encouraging? Isn't that encouraging to know that God's love is that deep that that it can cover over any sin in your life. Well, how did Jesus express God's love in John chapter 15? And there's two ways that I want to talk about today for us to think about and consider. He said, I've called you friends. One of the interesting things about Jesus is that he expressed God's love to the disciples by calling them his friends. You know, he was in a master-servant relationship, but that relationship changed to a friendship as he progressed and, and worked with the disciples. And I appreciate that about Jesus, you know, that, that, that he would, I mean, he has every right to treat us that way where it, it would be okay for us to have a master and servant relationship, right? He's the one that died. He's the one that went to the cross and it would be perfectly normal for him to have a master servant relationship with us. But what I love about Jesus is that he wanted more than that. Because he saw his father like that. His father loved him. And so he extended that love to the son and the son extended it to the disciples. And so that master-servant relationship didn't seem enough for Jesus. He wanted more. He wanted friendship. And if, if, if there's anything I would love for you to walk away from church today is that God loves you and that he wants to be your friend. And that... I don't, I didn't naturally think that way of God. 
when I first came to church. The practical it is we learn to extend that friendship to others around us. That because Jesus doesn't settle for a master-servant relationship but wants friendship, he calls us to love one another and extend that friendship to others. And that friendship is how God's love is expressed to people. I love this passage right here in Luke chapter 8, verse 26 to 31. The Bible says, They sailed to the region of the Gerasenes, which is across the lake from Galilee. When Jesus stepped ashore, he was met by a demon-possessed man from the town. For a long time, this man had not worn clothes or lived in a house, but had lived in the tombs. When he saw Jesus, he cried out and fell at his feet, shouting at the top of his voice, What do you want with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? I beg you, don't torture me. For Jesus had commanded the impure spirit to come out of the man. Many times it seized him. And though he was chained hand and foot and kept under guard, he had broken his chains and had been driven by the demon into solitary places. Jesus asked him, what is your name? Now, I want you to think about that. Here's a situation where Jesus is on the shore and a man comes running to him. And this man, you know, he was demon possessed, the Bible says. The reason why I love this passage is because this is how I was when I came to church. Uh, and in, in 1991, when I first started coming to church, I can relate to this passage. This guy was demon possessed. He had a lot of issues in his life. He, he ran around naked. Now, I didn't run around naked and all that, but man, I, I, I was crazy. I was wild. You know, this guy was, he lived among the tombs, right? He didn't even have a place, but you know, he lived among the tombs and he cut himself and he hurt himself. And, and let me ask you this question. Like, ladies, let me, would you date this guy? <laughs> would you, would you date this guy if, if you met a guy like this? Probably not, right? Fellas, would you, in your fantasy football league, would you invite him to a fantasy football barbecue or, or time together like that? Chances are not. But I relate to this passage tremendously because I was like this. I was a guy who had major issues. I was on drugs. I was super immoral. There's not a woman that I have ever been faithful to in my life when I first started coming to church. And, and you know, it's easy to look at a passage like this or when people are visiting our church for the first time, uh, everybody got some kind of issue going on. But what I love about Jesus in the midst of this chaotic scene, right? I mean, there, there, there's a lot that he was yelling, you know, away, you know, he was yelling like that and, and, and making a big scene. And what I appreciate about Jesus is the question that he asked. And that's what I love about Christ is he asks questions. He doesn't have judgment. He doesn't like, like there's so many things to, that, that could go wrong in this, right? That we could look at this person and think, oh, this is what's wrong. This is what's wrong. He's naked. He's, he's yelling. He doesn't, he doesn't have a place to stay. He, like he's homeless or he's, there's all these issues that could come up. But the question he asked him was, what is your name? Is that something you would ask? What is your name? And what I love is the first day I came to church, I could hear God calling me. I could hear him want to get to know me and to ask. And I, and disciples after the church service, the first lesson I ever came to in 19, I believe it was in 91, ending of 91, I think, uh, or maybe early of uh, 92, was called, the lesson was called Standing Firm to the End. And I remember sitting in service going for my first time thinking, 
I'm not even standing right now. I'm laying down because my life is so out of control. And I felt like this guy. Have you ever felt that kind of loneliness before? Have you ever felt lonely where you're in a crowded room, but you feel lonely or you're in a group? Nobody really knows you. And and yet what Jesus extended was friendship. He didn't. I mean, here's what I would have said. First of all, I would have said, dude, put some clothes on, bro. You got to put some clothes on. That's the first thing I would have said, because that's the first thing I, in my own judgmental self, would have noticed. The second thing I would have said was, stop yelling. Don't yell. Just talk to me. You know, the third thing I would have said is, man, you got to get your life together. That's not, that, that's so far from what Jesus said. All Jesus wanted to know was, hey, what's your name? And I wonder what, how everybody acted in that, you know? I wonder what everybody was thinking in that. Uh, because that doesn't seem like the normal thing to do there. And that's what I love about Jesus. He threw a curveball in there and you get to see the love of Jesus, the love of God wanting to know his name. Nothing more, nothing less. I love that about Jesus. And I, that love is what influenced me to become a disciple. And that love is still where I try to remain and, and to live in and to dwell in and try to get deeper understanding of what God's love actually looks like, feels like, tastes like, so that I can, I can remain and abide in God. You know, one of the things that you can tell about Jesus or you can tell about people who love you is uh, you can tell a lot by how much somebody uh, loves you, by how much they're willing to suffer for you. And look at these examples of Jesus for a minute. He loved his disciples. He loved them so much. You know, he, he, Judas betrayed Jesus. Peter denied Jesus. The 12 deserted Jesus. Thomas doubted Jesus. I could go on and on and on. And yet these people felt so loved by Jesus where they could be open. They could be themselves around him. Even, even when they're making mistakes like this, you know, but Jesus still loved them. And so the first thing I wanted to talk about today, today was just how does, how do, how does, how do we express, how did Jesus express God's love? It's through friendship. And I want to encourage us to, you know, he called, he called his disciples friends and that we're called to extend friendship to others. If, if there's anything I would love for people to understand about God, it's that God is love. He's there to connect with you, to be with you, to love you, to, to, to spend time. He's not there just to just fix your whole life because you're a project or you're a problem or you're this or that. He's there to extend love because he wants to spend that time with you. And, and that love is the thing that, that changes people's lives and transforms people's lives. And so the first way that Jesus expressed God's love is through friendship. The second is in verse 17, he says, I chose and appointed you. And I want to talk about participating in mission. How did Jesus express God's love? We, he called people, had vision for people to participate in mission. That people in life need a vision, need, need something to live for. And I appreciate how Jesus said, look, I, you didn't choose me. I chose you and I appointed you and I appreciate that somebody would have vision like that, how Christ had vision because that's how God's love is also expressed is through having vision and participating in mission. 
And that's what I love about our family of churches is, you know, we've, we've, we've had a background of being very strong and participating in mission of like making disciples and bearing fruit. Like the fruit in this passage is, is twofold. One, it is involved making disciples and being involved in people's lives and participating by planting and watering and guard, God does the harvest, right? Those things are all true. So when when Jesus said, I chose and appointed you to go bear fruit, yes, we do go out and share our faith. We do go out and invite people to church. We do go out and do Bible studies and talk with people. But mission isn't only just that in bearing fruit. There are other, other ways that we can participate in mission, like helping the poor, like serving one another, serving in the church, you know, being being a part of uh, using your gifts to to further God's kingdom and it's amazing how we get to participate in that and to participate in mission. And so we just looked at two ways today that, that Jesus expressed God's love. It's through friendship, but it's also through participating in mission. And I want to encourage our, you know, our fellowship because we're part of a community, a worldwide community, but also a local community in the metro LA region where we are the hands, feet, and mouthpiece of Christ. We are as ambassadors on earth called to stop injustice and restore his people. And, and God is counting on us, you know, but, but the way we do it isn't to just go out and work, work, work and do, do, do it. The, the way we do it is we remain in the vine, right? As Robert Lesson talked about it, and we're developing the different practices in our life so we can get nourishment from God and, and receive from Jesus, from the vine, uh, his strength and the nutrients that he provides. But we're, but what we also do, is we abide in God. We learn to to understand God's love and and remain in his love. And as we do that, we become the community that is the hands and feet of Jesus and the mouthpiece of Christ that makes a huge difference in the world. And in the world that we live in right now, God's kingdom needs to be lifted high and, and up in front of the world to see because it is the place where there are solutions you know, God's love can solve racism. God's love can solve, can, can solve world hunger. It can. There are solutions that we have in the kingdom of God by the principles that we believe that Jesus spoke of. We're a community that is greater than or bigger than ourselves that, that people in the past have died for. And we're a part of that community now. And so your role is extremely important in, in, in our church. We are the hands, we are the, the, the feet, the mouthpiece of Christ that we're called to serve. Amen. And I'm, I'm so excited to be part of Metro LA. And, and I love being a part of our church. I love being in, in a community of people that are actually trying to make a difference. And, and, and we have many faults. You know, if you're looking for a church that doesn't have faults, <laughs> we're not it. This is not the church for you to come to if you're like, I want to make sure everybody has it all together. Well, none of us do. We're all a work in progress, but we understand God's love. We understand that his love extends to friendship. And so we extend friendship to others. But we also understand that we he had vision for us so that we can participate in mission and be involved in the work of Jesus, the serving, the loving, the preaching, the encouraging, the, the helping out of and it's amazing how God transforms the world and transform our lives if we're focused on the right thing and receive nourishment from Jesus, but we also learn and abide in God's love as well. 
I want to I want to introduce to you Ariana Figueroa. She was recently baptized on January 24th in Las Americas, you know. Uh, welcome to Metro LA. I hope many of us can uh you know get on Facebook, encourage her, send her email, send her a text. Welcome to the kingdom of God, Ariana. So good to have you part of our fellowship. And so what did we learn today about abiding in God? Well, if we understand God and what Abiding means is we, we remain in God's love. We understand God's love, that God's love is deep and God's love is wide. It's so deep and so wide. God's love also covers over the sin of the world. He covers over every sin and every future sin that is about to happen. God's love covers all of it. And as we understand that love, we express it in two ways. And these are just two ways where we talked about today, but there are other ways all throughout the Bible that we can express God's love. One is we understand that that love was expressed to us in friendship, that Jesus wanted to be friends with us. He wanted to know our names. We are that important to him and we have a future with him. And so we extend that friendship to others. But we also understand that he had vision for us. And so we participate in mission. We, and that's not just making disciples of all nations. That's, that's one aspect. But another aspect is helping the poor, engaging in the church, you know, spending time with God. That's part of mission is that we're, we're learning different practices right now so we can grow in our faith. And so today, I hope as we learn different things about abiding in God, we will remain in God's love. We'll understand how deep his love is and how it covers us. But we'll also understand how we can extend that to others and participate in mission. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you for your attention. Have a great day today. You've just listened to the Metro LA podcast. For more information about our ministry, please visit MetroLARegion.com 